Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Okay, so a couple of things happened this morning. Number one, Stacey, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think we need to adopt again. That is an adorable adorable little girl both of them um, second thing just as a is a kind of housekeeping notes if you if you walk out this door and you go over uh, up the hallway you're going to see pictures of folks that don't look like they look now um, it's kind of fun because they're they're wedding pictures and I'm going to encourage, if you don't have a wedding picture that's already up there, I want you to get one and put it up there. We have the tables out there. It's, it's fun during this month where Hallmark is running all of the Valentine movies and where uh, Hallmark cards are trying to get you to celebrate a holiday that is mostly man-driven with the idea of Valentine's Day being a romantic time. Um, it's it's kind of cool though to see what real romance is really like and seeing the pictures of people that were married and have been married uh, for for years and decades is wonderful. Uh, Hollis, you and Willie, where are you, Hollis? <clears throat> Hollis is fixing the air conditioning right now. Willie, <clears throat> um, Willie, where are you? She's with him. She's telling him exactly what he needs to do to fix the air conditioning. But if you go out there, you can see a picture of them, and it is remarkable. You can see a picture of Skip and Cindy. You can see a picture of Gordon and Diane. You can can see a picture of Jeffrey and Natalie. It It is fabulous stuff, and we want you to bring a picture of you. So bring a picture Bring a picture next Sunday, okay? <clears throat> They're not paying attention. Bring a picture next Sunday. Mother and father of Ian, who who I did not even know was, he was on my basketball team in Upward, and I didn't even know that he was he was in, in scouts. And so I'm grateful that you all are here today too. Bring a picture so we can see what you all look like. And, and this morning we're going to actually look up at things both forward and backward. We're going to look at things that happened 700 years before Jesus was born. And what he talked about are things that are going to happen years ahead, perhaps months ahead, maybe even days ahead of this very day today. It's called looking forward and hearing from the past. So let me ask you a real quick question. Do you know who this man is? That is not Sam Cooke's best friend as a high school student, all right? That is Michelle de Nostradam, otherwise known as Nostradamus. He was a French astrologer. He, his, his actual vocation was a physician, and he was apparently very good as a doctor. Uh, he was born in 1507, and he died, I'm sorry, 1503, and he, he died in 1566, but he is mostly known now for his predictions 
and as a seer, somebody that supposedly was able to see into the future and predict things. And he wrote a book that in French translates roughly over to the prophecies. And it wasn't simply saying this is going to happen in this year, this is going to happen in this year. It was written in poetic form and it, it was written in a quatrain. <clears throat> and it is very vague. If you read this thing, it's, it's quite vague. But he's come into, into a lot of fame recently by our, our secular press as well as folks that want to go ahead and see if, the, if someone can predict what's going to happen in our future. Now what's interesting about this is like Ed, Edgar Cayce and like Gene Dixon, there have been people throughout history that have made, a, made bold predictions while a number of other predictions that they make slip into the wastebasket of, oops, we missed that one. So I want to ask you a question. Maybe you know this. What is a prophet according to the Bible? What is a prophet? Well, a prophet, the Bible says, is described in a threefold way. Very quickly, it is this. Number one, the prophet works for God. A true biblical prophet works for God and God only. Second of all, he prophesies for God. In other words, he is, he is doing things, and, and look, when we think about a prophet, we think of being able, what, you know, what are the lottery numbers going to be next week? We think of it in that terms. That's really not what prophecy is. Prophecy is telling the truth. Prophecy is telling the truth. The truth that may happen years from now, or the truth that is happening right now. That's what a prophet does. So a prophet works for God, and he prophesies for God. And listen to me, this is, this is the one that can go ahead. And the Bible talks about false prophets all the time. This is the one where you can kind of gauge which is which. A biblical prophet always is 100% accurate 100% of the time. There are no, oops, I missed that one. There's no sense of looking into the quatrains in, in the 41st quatrain of the prophecies by Nostradamus and, and somehow looking in there and say, oh, see, that was the Kennedy assassination. Which Kennedy? Instead, it is completely and totally accurate. We're going to be reading this morning together from a prophet a biblical prophet by the name of Isaiah who has some wonderful things to be able to share with us. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to please stand for the honor of reading God's Word together. And as we do, I'm going to ask you to read with me Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. 
With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. His belt and his faithfulness, the sash around his waist. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. When we read these words and we hear them, you need to understand that as Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus was ever born, he told of the Messiah's birth. That's who he was talking about in those five verses. The one that will come from the stump of Jesse. Well, who in the heck is Jesse? Anyone want to be a Bible scholar this morning and save me five minutes from telling you the story of Jesse? Who's Jesse? He's the father of David. David's daddy. Jesse, the stump of Jesse. Why the stump of Jesse? Have you ever called somebody a stump? If you did, you probably needed to duck immediately afterwards. A stump in this case wasn't trying to describe who David was or even who Jesse was. It was a descriptive term to to make it clear that Nothing was going to come out of this line except by God's providence. A stump is something that doesn't grow. It's cut off. Israel at this time, when Isaiah was prophesying, Israel at this time felt as low as it could feel. It did not feel like there was anything good happening to it. It was being threatened by two kingdoms on either side that had already vowed that they were going to go ahead and militarily overwhelm God's people. They were scared, they were absolutely not following God, and they also decided in the midst of that, that when a prophet is sent to them in the name of Isaiah, as a prophet of God, as he sent with them, they said, nah, we don't want to listen to that guy anymore. We could care less what he says. Give us something that's pleasing to our ears and we might listen to you and we might actually go ahead and do what you tell us to do. Isaiah had a tough road to hoe. But what's interesting about Isaiah is that he did not give up in his predictions, in his prophecies. He shared visions and messages to God's people of their impending judgment by the hand of other nations and of God's ultimate plan of redemption for them. You see, God never goes in and sends sends a prophet out to tell you what's going to happen, and it's all doom and gloom. He shares with you also that there's, there's going to be a way out. Guys, do you believe that there's sin in this world right now? If you watched anything in the news over the past week and didn't see sin, come forward and be saved immediately. We have train wrecks all around us. The lives of people who choose poorly in the pattern that they live their life. And their sin sometimes splatters not just on them, but it splatters on innocent innocent others who are around them, maybe even trying to support them and in some way draw them back to the place where God wants them to be. I want to share with you that if you believe there's sin in this world and you believe that this is a fallen world, and the Bible says it is, 
You and I have a special mission from God. Please hear this. Please hear this. It is not to go out on a street corner and say, Y'all are going to burn up in hell. That's not it. While that is part of the biblical truth of judgment, the majority of people today, I believe, want to know that there's a way out of the mess they're in. Please hear this. In Jesus Christ, we have the way out. We have the way out. Folks, a prophet of God will tell you the truth, even if it's something you don't want to hear. Isaiah shared the sacrifice of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, where this man is going to be beaten. The stripes on his back are going to be placed there for your benefit and mine, for the healing of our own body and of our spirit and of our soul. That's bloody stuff that we don't want to hear. I had a friend one time that I was sharing Christ with when I was a seminary student 40 plus years ago. And he'd heard the gospel plenty of times. He grew up in Texas. So he saw churches all over the place. But he was a person that absolutely did not want to hear anything more about God. And I remember him telling me, when I shared with him the blood of Jesus, God's Son forgives, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he said, I don't want to hear about your bloody religion anymore. Well, folks, without the blood of Jesus Christ shed on a cross for you and me, this is a Rotary Club meeting this morning. This is nothing. You are wasting your time here if it weren't for Jesus. Isaiah shared the tough things, but he also shared the wonderful things. I want to share with you these things. We look in God's Word. God's, God's Word speaks to three audiences at once. God's Word always speaks to three audiences at the same time. Here's the first audience. The original hearers. So those folks that lived during Isaiah's time who heard him read these words, share these words, they were the original hearers. They're the ones that go ahead and get it right there. Now please hear what I'm going to say. Whatever Isaiah said in those verses that we just read just a moment ago in chapter 11, those verses applied to those people where they were at that time. It had meaning to them. There's a second audience. Folks here today, you and me, and all those folks from Isaiah's time too right now, God has been speaking through His Word, not only to the original hearers, but to all generations up until this very moment that we read that just now. You here today, God is using His Word to speak to you. Now listen to me. It's not opening your Bible and reading something, and so and so begat so and so. Boy, I feel inspired. That's not it. What it means is this. God takes His Holy Spirit and He makes this book 
which is not a static document. He makes this thing alive. That's why it says when it's when it talks about you and me and it says we're sinners and we're far from God. And you go, yeah, but does God know about what I did back then? Does He know about what I, what happened? Oh yeah, He knows. And the Bible says He knows it and He loves you anyway. Now how can this thing, a static document, be made alive? It's alive because Jesus Christ is alive. He's dead and He was raised from the dead. And when He came back, nobody went, Oh, you can't come back from the dead. That's not allowed. God is God and He can do whatever He wants. When He came back, this thing, this thing came alive. The Word of God has always been alive. But now it becomes alive for the original hearers and us today. And one more audience as well. Comes alive for the people in the future. There are three audiences. The original hearers of Isaiah, you and me today, all those folks that came between Isaiah and us, and the folks that are to come. I'm not going to add, here's the deal. Isaiah was written before your little, little, I know I pick on you every week, but you got an adorable little baby there. All right. Before that baby ever was conceived by God's grace, he knew that child would be here. He knew that. And the Bible says he knew that child while he was in your womb. And the Bible says He's already got plans for that child to be used by Him. Now here's the really cool thing, guys. Isaiah was speaking to him, to her, to the folks that have not yet drawn their first breath. Those are the three audiences. And when God is speaking through those three audiences, He also is talking about things that are to come. It speaks about things that have happened. It speaks about those things that are coming up. The things that have happened in the past. It it talks about those things that are happening right now. The Bible talks about what is going on in your life right this moment. That's the reason I can be up here wailing away and some of you are going, well, wait a minute, something you just said back there is really kind of grounding into me. By the way, that's not my words. Please understand this. The Holy Spirit right now knows exactly where you are. And and just look. From Wayne all the way over here to Dee. God is at work in every one of your lives individually at this very moment. And He doesn't just simply do it and say, Okay, I'm going to be working it all your life. You came to First Baptist, you get worked on. That's not it. He's working on Wayne about Wayne issues. He's working on D about D issues. And he's working on you and me about what we brought in here today. That's how much God loves you. What you may hear me say that was back there in point one, and you're locked in on that, that's because God is working in your life right now trying to go, hey, I'm right here and I want to go ahead and address this so that you can walk in a way that is pleasing to me and you don't have to be in bondage anymore with those things that you've been carrying around. The Bible talks about those things that have happened in the past those things that are happening right now. 
And he also talks about those things that will happen. Here's what I want you to do this afternoon. There are no NFL games. There's nothing. And look, the XFL, if you watched any of that, no, no. You're going to have some free time this afternoon, all right? Here's what I want you to do. Turn to Isaiah 11 and read verses 6 through 16, 10 short verses. Here's what I want you to do. Look and see how much of that has already happened. Let me give you a preview of it. It talks about these things. It describes events and things that could never naturally happen in our day and time. A wolf lying down with a lamb. Now look, a wolf eats a lamb. I eat lamb, okay? If I can find one, I'll eat it. A wolf will eat a lamb. It talks about that. It talks about an infant that is playing with a deadly snake. I doubt any of you moms are going to say, hey, let's go find us a cobra this afternoon. We'll have some real fun. It talks about that. Not only that, it talks about a calf. A calf, a young bovine and a lion being together in the same pen. Folks, in our natural order as we live right now, those are things that will not happen. Well, they will happen, but they won't last long. As a matter of fact, one of the two will be at peril. And it's pretty easy to see which one. These are things that the Bible talks about predictively in the future. It's kind of of like, it would be, look, (laughs) it would be like an Aggie and a Longhorn deciding to get married and live in the same household. Wait, that happened. Paul and Herod, that happened. See, the Bible can predict stuff that is going to happen. And it's happening right now. And oh, by the way, happened in the past. Because if God has ordained something to happen, it will happen. So what about those verses that we read just a moment ago? Chapter 11, 1 through 5. It talks about the coming Messiah. 700 years before Jesus ever drew His first breath, Isaiah is talking about that. And listen to me, hear this. It not only predicted what was going to happen that we read about in the Gospels, it talks about what will happen in the future. What is the truth about that? Listen, I can share with you this with a joyful heart this morning. God is still waiting. But he prom- His promises, they will all happen. What He promises will happen. Folks, what are the promises of God that are predictively to come here it is number one he absolutely loves you as you are right now you don't have to be perfect and you do not have to be baptist okay that's an oxymoron the truth is god loves you exactly as you are and the bible says he gave his only begotten son for you as you are this morning Every one of us, from Jace to Sam. Not only that, the Bible says that He is coming back. 
He is going to return. And He's going to return specifically for you. My friend Sam, and I've shared this a million times, my friend Sam believes that he's going to be alive when Jesus returns. Sam celebrated his 95th birthday. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christ follower, you better get busy pretty fast, all right? Everybody understand what I'm not saying? Sam, I hope you live another five years, all right? But the truth is, folks, we need to go ahead and be exactly where God wants us today, not waiting and saying, I'll get right when the clouds part and Jesus returns. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God. That's a promise of God. He is, he is longing for you to let Him into your life. He is not interested in you cleaning up your act. The Bible says He will do it for you. Now that's good news. You don't have to go ahead and try to act Christian or be Christian or any of those other things. What you must do is not come to church, but come to worship a God who loves you and then will take you and say, if you allow me in as your Lord, and that word Lord, kuraos, means boss, if you allow me in, I will take you and clean out all the mess of your life and I will begin the work of putting you back together in my image. That's the joy of the fact that God is still waiting. He's waiting on these things and others. Some of the predictions that we have in the book of Isaiah talk about what's going to happen in judgment, not only for the original hearers, not only for those folks here today, but also for the judgment that is to come for those that do not receive the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, Clyde, I have no idea what you're talking about as far as this. I, I, being a Christian, not, I don't know. I, I believe in God, but I don't know if I am all the way where I need to be and maybe I'm just kind of right in the middle of nowhere. Let me share with you this. I was not raised Baptist. I went to a Baptist church with a friend of mine. And I heard a sermon similar to this in 1975. My friend, at the end of the service, everybody stood up like we're going to in just a moment, and we sang a song together. And I felt strangely compelled that God was trying to say, this is for you, Clyde. I'm trying to get to you. I'm trying to break down all of those little barriers and strongholds that you have in your life. And I'm trying to get to the you that is you that puts its head on the pillow and looks up at the ceiling at, at night and goes, is this as good as it gets? That's the part of you that is eternal. That part. That's the part God is interested in. And if right now you're sitting there going, wait, some of what you've said seems to be sticking in my heart right now, Clyde, then I want to share with you, please don't, please don't give me credit for that. That is God reaching out to you. What does He want to do in your life? 
He wants to give you hope. Hope is not, cross my fingers, hope to die, or, or not to die. That's not the hope we're talking about here. The hope that is based in truth. The hope that says that God really does love you. The second thing He wants to give you is eternal life. You can't get it on your own and you can't be good enough to earn it. It only comes through the free gift of grace through faith that Jesus Christ offers you this morning. Third thing, how can you get it? It doesn't come by walking an aisle, getting into a baptistry, or joining this church. That's not how you get it. It is God's free gift to you. And all you, listen to me, all you must say to Him is, God, if this isn't some great joke, then come into my life and make me like you. That was my exact prayer on August 15, 1976. I had one of my best friends that had shared again, again, as he'd done again and again and again about Jesus. And I remember just going, okay, if this isn't a big joke, God, do what you make me like Him. Now that's a pretty weak prayer to invite God into your life. God, can't see it any further than this, but if you can make me like Him, that'd be better than what I am right now. God made me better than my friend Chuck Lee. God is in the process of making me like Him. My hope and prayer is that if you're here this morning and you're sensing God moving you, you won't wait. You'll just say yes. Let's pray. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, Your Bible says there's going to be an eternal battle that will go on in each of our lives and also in this auditorium this morning. It's not a battle that's going to be, will I be a Baptist or not? It's a battle for something far more important, an eternity with you or not. So Father, I pray that in the next few minutes, if you're speaking to any life that is here, that we will be like the original hearers and the folks here today and the folks that are to come that will hear your voice and answer yes to it. I pray, Father, that you will bless this time, that the only thing operating in this room will be your Holy Spirit drawing men and women and boys and girls to a relationship with Jesus and that you will honor this time for your sake and for your glory only. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just like that day at Northway Baptist Church up in Dallas, we're going to go ahead and sing a song. And if God is speaking to your heart, I will be here at this altar area. Now listen to me. There's a crowd here today. Don't be embarrassed to say, you know, God wants me to go ahead and, and say yes to Him and invite Him into my life. God wants me to go ahead and plug myself and the, my family into a church family. And, it, and if I have to do that by walking down an aisle, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs that are looking at me. Let me share with you this. Jesus Christ died on a cross publicly for you. If you can publicly confess your faith in Him, 
by a simple walk, I measured it 49 feet from this pew to that door. If you can make 49 feet, God can take you on an eternal journey that will last forever. Don't let something like 49 feet stand in your way if God's calling your name. We're going to sing this song. We're going to stand together. And if God is speaking to your heart, I'd love to pray with you. During this song, you come as God leads.